Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Well, good morning to everyone. And, uh, you know, of course, it was an incredible uh, night of, you know, lies and puffery uh, last night as Joe Biden presented the State of the Union address. But we've come to expect that. I mean, his last speech was filled with divisive rhetoric in uh, Pennsylvania, of course, with all of the uh, lights that that reminded me, honestly, of the Grammys, (laughs) of um, you know, the red. And, you know, he might as well have also sung Unholy and all of these uh, just incredibly obvious. Obvious uh, notes to Satan that we saw uh, from the Grammys, but you know, really no different from an administration that has tried to excise God from society and uh, really not only doesn't care about the principles of America's founding, but is intentionally trying to reimagine society in a way that uh, is in complete and stark contravention to what uh, the United States was founded upon and our role and purpose for government to preserve our rights. But, you know, this is nothing new to my first guest. Um, I'm so, so excited to finally have him on this show. Uh, Rob Carson, my good friend and colleague at Newsmax. He hosts the Rob Carson Show. You can find him on Newsmax's number one podcast and also Rob Carson's What in the World, which is a political comedy show that, in my opinion, is far superior to Greg Gutfeld, um, mainly just because I I think it's a little more family friendly and uh, not quite as crass, but totally full of snark. So, Rob, thanks so much for joining me today on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. It is an honor to be on the show, Jenna. I love what you do, and I'm a big fan of you uh, personally and professionally. I think you're awesome. Thank you. Oh, well, you're very sweet. And I am a fan of you personally and professionally as well. And so is President Trump, by the way. Um, a few minutes before the program, you were saying that uh, he has said what about your show? He said, pardon me, um, a while back, he said that I was the funniest man on television. And uh, then I had the opportunity last year to uh, visit Mar-a-Lago, and he told me personally. So either he is uh, um, lying about his drinking uh, <laughs> or he actually loves my show. And I would uh, tend to uh, uh, to say that he doesn't drink and he loves my show. Yes. Well, you know, that is, I think, one of the highest compliments from President Trump, because um, anyone who has met him uh, personally, as of course you yeah. and I have, know that he has the greatest sense of humor. He is so funny. He's yeah. one of the funniest people I've ever met. Um, and so that is very, very high praise. But, um, you know, want to get, yeah. of course, your yeah. snarky take on uh, Joe Biden and um, the fact that, you know, he, of course, presented the State of the Union last night and, Um, Just the divisive rhetoric from Democrats that, you know, he stands up there and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, State of the Union's fine. And, you know, and and wants to appear super presidential when literally over the weekend, a so-called weather balloon, which is really a spy balloon, traversed the entire continental (laughs) United States. And, you know, everything's fine. And I thought it was hilarious that in my mentions uh, yesterday morning, people were suggesting that Republicans should have shown up with uh, white balloons to the State of the Union. I would have loved to see that. (laughs) Oh, I yes, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking about this last night, and, um, uh, you know, you look at the fact that we are closest to midnight as far as the doomsday clock is concerned, and then China sends a balloon over the United States. Uh, To me, it adds up to 
uh, broadcasting the entire world that it, uh, the United States is right for the picking. And I'm not a panic monger at all. I'm just seeing all of the ways that China has uh, weakened our country, uh, whether that be commanding uh, academia. Yesterday we found out that China has dumped about $6 billion into uh, higher education, particularly the Penn Biden Center. So the uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party is very, very involved in our uh, education system, in our governance. Um, they have their own um, police departments, we found, around the country that monitor uh, the behavior of its citizens on U.S. soil. So we're in a very dangerous place. This isn't, uh, uh, you know, something that uh, Joe Biden can just brush off. And I think the American people recognize the seriousness of it. And and clearly, if you saw the poll over the weekend, it's kind of remarkable. Um, uh, two weeks ago, Chuck Todd mentioned that 71% of the people uh, in the country say the country is going in the wrong direction. That was the same before the midterms. We find out that only 37% of Democrats want Joe Biden to run for president again. And we find out that 60% of the American people feel that Joe Biden has done nothing for the country. So try to dig yourself out of that, uh, Mr. Biden. Nobody believes you're a good president. Uh, Nobody believes that what you are doing is working. uh, And nobody wants you to run again. Yeah. (laughs) And you you just have to wonder what, uh, you know, the other, what, 33% of Americans said to that did they did they just decline to give an opinion or are they actually suggesting that they think that joe biden is doing something good i mean th- those are the people i'm really concerned about <laughs> well i think you've got a couple of different people uh, different types of people there people who are completely unplugged who only watch the network news and possibly read the new york times although that number is tiny uh, or people who are just um uh, uh liberal. Um, and it's kind of odd because those who uh, who describe themselves as extremely liberal uh, also match the number of people in the country who are uh, mentally ill, about uh, 20 percent of the population. So it's um, <laughs> got a little bit of both going on there. Uh, but clearly, uh, those people are dyed-in-the-wool dyed in uh, leftists, um, and they don't live in the same world that we do. Yeah, and, and I'm talking with uh, Rob Carson, who, of course, is the host of The Rob Carson Show over at Newsmax, and you can uh, stream that content. Uh, that's Monday through Friday, right, that you're on? Yeah, yeah, we're on Monday through Friday. Uh, when We have about 42 radio stations around the country. We just added WOR in New York. Uh, we also do the podcast six days a week, including a Best Up show on Saturdays. That's amazing. And, you know, speaking of Newsmax, uh, Rob Carson, there is is just it's so mind boggling to me how DirecTV and, um, you know, the leftists continue in any way possible to try to censor and squish uh, free speech and especially conservative content. And you would think that in the free marketplace of ideas that they would not be afraid of competition. And if they really thought that people wanted to tune in to hear Adam Kinzinger on CNN, then they'd be like, hey, you know, more competition, the better. But I think a lot of people have that on mute. They want to tune in to uh, to networks like Newsmax, but yet you have yeah. DirecTV that's saying, you know, sorry, we're uh, we're just not going to carry uh, Newsmax anymore. And even members of Congress are suggesting that this is uh, not a good idea. Are calling um, for inquiries about this. And um, so, what what has Newsmax's response really been? Well, we've got a lot of things, and I won't necessarily speak on behalf of Newsmax officially. Um, but uh, you know as well as I do, Jenna, how difficult it has been in the last few years 
uh, with regard to uh, being able to express yourself as a conservative. Uh, you and I know that uh, I'm not sure how many times you've been banned or flagged on any of the social media. Uh, but clearly there has been an effort by the United States government, uh, the FBI, the deep state, DHS, <clears throat> to go after conservative speech. There's no doubt about this. I, I will not entertain uh, people who say otherwise because we're not stupid. Um, and and a couple of uh, last year, actually, there were two Democrat uh, reps that got in touch with Nancy Pelosi, and they went to DirecTV, and they said that OAN, Newsmax, and Fox all <clears throat> all spread disinformation, which is an, uh, a, a term that the government started using last year, or oh, no, a couple years ago, that uh, Joseph Stalin also used in 1923, disinformatia. And that was the cudgel that they would use to say that uh, that there was some sort of falsehoods being spread by conservative networks. So uh, DirecTV dutifully responded. Um, and by the way, on the AT&T uh, and DirecTV board, I have read that there are several people with, uh, with ties to the Clintons and other Democrats. Uh, that said, DirecTV took OAN off last year and then took off uh, Newsmax last Tuesday at midnight. Uh, they are claiming that we uh, we are demanding some sort of fee, and uh, they uh, DirecTV does pay for programming. Uh, they pay a lot of money to CNN and MSNBC, even though their ratings are plummeting. But this is just another way to silence uh, conservative free speech. They know that DirecTV, <clears throat> a lot of the times people who watch DirecTV live in rural areas, and sometimes um, a satellite television is their only mode of getting uh, information. And so this is a continuation of what they uh, they have been doing for years, uh, labeling conservative speech uh, disinformation or misinformation, and then using uh, government uh, officials and government entities to enforce it. And I'm talking with Rob Carson, who is the Newsmax host of uh, the Rob Carson Show and also Rob Carson's What in the World? And, you know, this is a question of what in the world? Because, you, you know, when we look at this term, Rob, misinformation, and as you mentioned, you know, this is a Stalinist type of tactic to say that just because you have a different opinion and you come from a different yeah. viewpoint, then we want to censor your content. And so no longer are we in society distinguishing from fact and opinion. And everybody can agree on facts, and then people have their opinions around. I mean, that's that's the whole point, I think, of opinion pieces and of new show commentaries. But to suggest that conservative-oriented shows are somehow misinformation just because these um, these carriers, like DirecTV and others, um, just simply don't want to have that viewpoint, and that that would... Uh, give the ability and, and their virtue signaling. They actually think this is a good idea and they're somehow lauded for this. And this is somehow a yeah. public good that they're saying, okay, stations like Newsmax and OANN should uh, be taken off and, and should no longer reap the benefits of DirecTV um, paying for that content. Um, to me, just really suggests that we are beyond the pale. We've jumped the shark in terms of the propaganda orientation of news media at this point. I mean, this is no longer yeah. breaking news. It's breaking opinion. And now it's, yeah. well, we want to cater and tailor the opinion to our preferred propaganda. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, Jenna, I'm uh, one of the only 
radio hosts in the country who has said from the beginning that I am entitled to my opinion. Um, my, my First Amendment right is to be able to have an opinion, even if some people think it's wrong. The government has tailored that to say that anything that disagrees with what the government says is wrong. And that is ungodly dangerous. Uh, you know, I have never said, and I will continue to say, that the 2020 election was not fair or just. I said on January the 7th of 2020 that the media was overhyping and overplaying the uh, supposed insurrection at uh, the U.S. Capitol. I have said from the very beginning, literally March of 2020, that COVID was being overplayed. It was being overplayed. It was being politicized. I said the reason why 2020 happened is because it was 2020. That's it. That's why the, the marches took place. That's why the burning of, of our cities, the sacking of our cities, and the murder of its citizens for uh, George Floyd uh, with uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I said that nothing about that was organic. And uh, I have never been afraid to say that it is my Second Amendment or my First Amendment right to say those things. And oddly enough, uh, my opinion has been right on all of these things. <clears throat> all of these things we have been told we cannot say. Jenna, have you ever lived in, in your life, have you ever been told that you could not say something? You could not have an opinion on CRT if it's negative. You could not have an opinion on transgender mutilation of children. You couldn't have an opinion on it because what you say is disinformation. I can go through the list. There are uh, probably at least 50, 60 things that in the last two years, the government and the media establishment and big tech have all said that what you, your thoughts, if you disagree with the government line, is disinformation. And I came up with the expression uh, a year and a half ago. I said, if the, uh, the deep state government, the mainstream media and big tech say that what you believe is disinformation, it means that they know you are right. And I have been proven absolutely right in every single instance. Whenever you hear the word disinformation or misinformation, that is the government, that is the media complex telling you that you are spot on and they have to destroy you and distract from the lie that they're trying to tell. Well, how dare you have an opinion? Rob Carson. This is the United States of America. That is just absolutely everything that we stand against, right? I mean, this is so completely bizarre, but we will be right back with more with Rob Carson, host of the Rob Carson Show on Newsmax, right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And I'm talking with my good friend, Rob Carson, who is the host of the Rob Carson show on Newsmax. And we're talking about this whole concept of uh, misinformation. And I'm, I'm literally using air quotes over here, even though I know it's radio and you can't see me, but you know, um, just put that in, in air quotes. And, and I think uh, we can, we can all get there because you know, this, this whole concept of misinformation um, has been completely taken out of uh, context and used to manipulate the narrative to simply suggest that 
uh, we cannot have viewpoints. We can't come from different political perspectives than the petty tyrants that uh, run the government currently. And this is why, though, Rob Carson, I think it's so important to remember the concept of state sovereignty. Because if you look at what uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is doing in the state of Florida, if you look at what Sarah Sanders, who gave the Republican rebuttal last night to the State of the Union, um, is already doing in uh, the state of Arkansas, and you look at the contrast that we saw in 2020, um, really, you know, in in the midst of all of the COVID uh, literally misinformation, I mean, things that just genuinely were not factual that we now know coming from big pharma and um, the, the deep state surrounding the so-called pandemic, uh, we have seen that really the answer to all of uh, the leftist tyranny is more federalism, more engagement from citizens, and more speech. More speech is always the solution to propaganda, but that's what the Democrats don't want. And so I think it's so important that networks like Newsmax stay on the airwaves, that shows like yours, uh, shows like this one, continue to be platforms that people can actually um, choose their content, and they they don't just have to sit there and watch CNN at the airport. No, um, uh, Joseph Stalin came up with the expression disinformatia. He came up with it in 1923 because he wanted a word that sounded Western. He wanted a, a, a word that sounded uh, much better than, than what it was, which was uh, state-sponsored censorship of opposing viewpoints. And we saw the government, uh, with they thought they had the hubris. They thought that they had the the uh, uh, the uh, standing to uh, uh, to create a department of disinformation without telling the American people that says enough about what their intentions are. They created a department called the Department of Disinformation, exactly like Joseph Stalin did in 1923 in uh, in Russia, uh, and then we all saw how well that ended. So it is remarkable. I think I think that uh, the the federal government, the Democrats, they they rely on the ignorance of the American people, particularly those who've gone through the uh, the woke academic system. Uh, right now, <clears throat> we have people who are in the working world who have been completely indoctrinated from uh, from pre K through college, and those people have entered the workforce. Those people are in charge or were in charge at Twitter in charge at Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, a prime example. And uh, they are uh, wielding uh, an enormous amount of power with regard to freedom of expression. Uh, there's no doubt about this at all. It's, it's been a creeping thing. But you know what? The American people are, uh, are fighting back against this. I know that, that when we see things like Newsmax being stricken from DirecTV, uh, I'm hoping that it will, um, they, that Newsmax will be put back on DirecTV. But in the meantime, now uh, a, a lot of people in this country suddenly know of Newsmax, and this is not about being self-promoting, but they know that Newsmax exists, and they know that Newsmax is uh, the second network that's been targeted legitimately by Democrats. OAN was first, then Newsmax, and what's next? Fox. So people are, are getting this. They're understanding it. They are understanding that, uh, you know, uh, what the government has done to their kids, what the government is doing to their kids with schools, and they're about it. Uh, and Democrats and Republicans are coming together. I know it sounds uh, crazy, but Democrats and Republicans are coming together on this. And and I, I believe, Jenna, that if you see that, you know, 71% of us think the country is going in the wrong direction, that means one thing. 
it means that they're rebelling against who is in charge. So I, I think that uh, after all is said and done, and who knows where it's going to go in the meantime, that we're going to come together uh, for the country, and we can agree to disagree on some things, but when it comes to freedom of expression, uh, protecting our children, protecting our borders, um, all of these things, I think that the American people are, are pretty solid. Um, and I, and I think we're going to be able to defeat this, but, uh, but in the meantime, they're going to continue. They're going to, you know, the, the deep state is going to continue to go after conservatives. They're going to continue to go after, uh, anybody who tries to speak out against the government narrative. But I think ultimately we're going to win. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Rob Carson, who is the host of the Rob Carson show on Newsmax. And we are seeing this, this woke, uh, culture, it pervading all aspects of American culture yeah. and society. And this isn't just about freedom of speech in terms of a political viewpoint. This all comes back fundamentally to worldview. And this is why you, yeah. know, you and yeah. I know, and we talk about this on uh, both of our shows quite often, that this comes back to uh, the, the foundation of how we understand the world and what presumptions or basic assumptions are implicit in how we exercise our freedoms. And you know, there was this headline that um, I was, just, I actually had to sit here and go through, you know, like sound this out as if I'm like, you know, the six-year-old yeah. in kindergarten that's learning how to read, because this is the headline from, um, from American News and the post-millennial. It's uh, math is too white. And, and here's the word, cis heteropatriarchal, says a Vanderbilt, <laughs> right? So cis maybe you know cis heteropatriarchal it sounds it's it's like the you know um supercalifragilisticexpialidocious i mean th- th- from the, this vanderbilt professor and i mean yeah that's yeah. actually easier to say than their made up you know terms but you know this is the kind of thing that our kids are confronting in colleges i mean so much emphasis yeah. has been on k through 12 which i think is incredibly important for parents because we have to as uh, young people and you know children are beginning to shape their perception and understanding of what is reality. Um, and you know, am I a boy? Yes. Am I a girl? Yes. No. Those kind of just basic things. But then you get to college and you have these you know high and lofty professors like at Vanderbilt that are teaching mm-hmm. that basic math somehow is too. I mean, yeah. last I checked, you know, two plus two is four, regardless of what yeah. gender you are, what skin color you are, and and to somehow say and suggest that that this is that math is somehow racist. <laughs> it just, I mean, this doesn't compute. Yeah. Well, good luck getting the job then. You know, honestly, good luck getting a job. I was just reading a uh, an article um, uh, Baltimore Public Schools. They just did a study and 0% of the kids are proficient in math, all right? But they are really that uh, white people have kept them down. Uh, good luck getting a job, all right? In Baltimore right now, there are kids. This is like the barrios of Mexico City. Instead of selling chiclets, there are kids downtown who literally extort money out of people to squeegee their uh, their windshields because that's the best option. That are getting shot to death by the time they're 18 years old trying to sell uh, illicit drugs and being involved in, in gangs. This cis-patriarchal and all this is academic gobbledygook uh, by people who think they're smarter than you and me, but they're really, really not. And and this is all collapsing. <clears throat> this whole transgender nonsense is is all beginning to collapse. Um, and, and you know something else is kind of interesting, Jenna? The last about a month or so, 
on uh, on Twitter. Nuremberg two has been um, has been trending, and I have a lot of people like, "What is Nuremberg two? Nuremberg two? I have said uh, from the very beginning with regard to, say, for instance, our COVID restrictions, uh, the all of the nonsense associated with COVID, shutting down our schools, cutting down our businesses. I said the only thing we are going to be able to to when when this wraps up, there will be there has to be a series of trials. For those who put us through this, caused all the suffering, all the unnecessary death, all of the shutdowns, all of the business closings. So people are beginning to get it. That's why Nuremberg 2 has been trending, because people want to pay back for this nonsense. They are awake to it. Uh, they're gonna, the, the left is going to try and scream it even louder. They're going to start, you know, for instance, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the Proud family. They got this new cartoon, and it talks about how slaves built the country, and if you're white, you're blah, blah, blah. And people are uh, rejecting it because is that the Disney it's, one? it's nonsensical. The- they don't see it in their lives, and it's all a construct done by academia to tear down the country. Yeah, and is that cartoon that you referenced, uh, Rob Carson, is that the Disney cartoon that just came out? That's the that's the Disney cartoon, and I'm going to tell you, yeah. Disney. The, somebody wants to drive nails into the casket of Disney, and I, I mentioned yesterday on Twitter. I said, Disney, please tell <clears throat> tell your customers, particularly your white customers, um, that they're privileged, and see how well that works when they go to your parks and have to spend you know ten thousand dollars for a, a week with their family in Disney World. Uh, people are just kind of done with it. This proud family thing, I think, is going to be uh, colossally bad for them. I think a lot of people like me are going to drop Disney Plus because of this. Because, you know what? Hey, listen, I, I remember when all this white privilege started coming out. My son is 23 now, and he was in elementary school. And he went to a school in Montgomery County, Maryland, where 90% of the kids were black, Hispanic, Asian, and other. My son was 10%. Uh, of the white kids at this school. And none of these kids hated each other, and none of these uh, these kids of color looked at him because he was privileged. It's all been completely made up, completely made up of whole cloth. And I think most people realize that. And, and it, I don't believe it's – I mean, it may be dividing some. It certainly has uh, – uh, it, it is certainly problematic. You had a, a 58-year-old man in traffic. I believe this was in uh, L.A., last week uh, ran over by a a person of color, a 39-year-old man who was screaming white privilege epithets at him and then stabbed him to death. There is going to be some of that. But I think by and large, if you go to uh, average America, uh, you know, across the street, maybe you're a white guy down the street, there's an Asian guy down the street, there's an Indian guy, there's a black guy who lives next door to you, and nobody cares. And and we are beginning to see a turning point with regard to um, this this attempt to divide us. I really, really do believe this. And and Disney can try, and other people can try this nonsense. We saw the colossal collapse of Black Lives Matter, the fraudulent, the fraudulent uh, 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 joke that it, it it was. But eventually, the truth is going to come out. People see what is around them and the reality that academia or the liberal media is trying to paint is fake. It's not real. Yes. So, so well said, Rob Carson, who's the host of the Rob Carson show on Newsmax. And, you know, Rob, I mean, you know, I grew up in as a 90s kid um, in Colorado, um, you know, just outside of 
pretty much the most liberal town in Boulder um, currently and, and then at the time, I mean, even going back to the 70s, you know, Boulder, Colorado, yeah. um, where you have, you know, all, all of the hippies and the, you know, oh, let's, you know, have free weed and all this stuff, which we became one of, like, the first state, along with, I think it was the state of Washington, to actually have a constitutional amendment uh, that protects yeah. the right to smoke pot, which has just been a disaster for the state. <laughs> but even growing up, yeah. um, even growing up there, you know, I, I remember just you know as a kid everybody just like like there was no concept of oh you look a little bit different than me i mean it would be yeah. like me thinking and questioning somebody because i have blonde hair and they have you know red hair i mean it it, it just wasn't yeah. even a concept and i don't remember at all even through uh, college and you know and i graduated what was it, 2005, 2006 from college. And I don't even remember yeah. this kind of stuff. And I went to a state university, you know, in Colorado yeah. with this kind of yeah. rhetoric just being thrust down the throats of our college students, especially. And I do think you're yeah. right that we are at a tipping point in America because, you know, while the left and the whole LGBT agenda and, and the <clears throat> movement has um, has continued to gain steam. And of course, you know, in 2015, uh, with the Obergefell versus Hodges decision that legalized same-sex mm-hmm. marriage, I really think if they had just stopped there, then nobody would have even tried to necessarily overturn that or suggested that that was the bridge too far, even though I think, you know, I agree with um, all of the dissents in that case that, um, you know, the, the Supreme Court has nothing to say on the issue of marriage that is yeah. just like the issue of abortion that's reserved to the states. But I think that if the agenda had stopped there, then we wouldn't be seeing such an incredible backlash. But of course it didn't. I mean, now we're talking about, you know, gender mutilation of children yeah. under, you yeah. know, so-called... Um, gender-affirming care. I mean, where does it stop? Yeah. And and we're only about well, two it's minutes going to stop so, there. Yeah. It's going to stop there, and people are going to be held accountable for it. People are going to be held accountable for it. There will be a day where uh, those who committed this, this these atrocities, and, and honestly, Joseph Mengele is laughing up from I mean, just going, oh, my, can you believe they're doing this? I mean, we had to do this to, uh, you know, to uh, – uh, political prisoners, but uh, they're uh, literally they're volunteering. Parents are saying, "Yeah, my kid is trans. Cut his off, or cut her he- healthy breast breast tissue off." This is so. This is so beyond the pale <clears throat> that uh, that there is going to be a payback for this, and and we're going to notice it as these mutilated children become adults and realize that they've been sold a bill of goods. You know, I was raised in the uh, '70s and the '80s, and um, you know, I grew up watching uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, you know, we have great American melting melting pot. Uh, there was no division. There was no racism. Uh, I grew up watching Sesame Street. Sesame Street was always multicultural. Uh, we never thought twice about it. Twenty years previous, uh, Captain Kirk kissed Ohura. That was a big deal in the 1960s. <laughs> to me, it was like, who cares? So uh, we had clearly grown beyond this. We have a generation of, of people right now who think that because they are. Because they exist and they might see one instance of racism or hear of one instance of racism, that suddenly racism is worse than it's ever been. It's preposterous on the face of it. It is self, it is the ultimate sort of narcissism. And I think it's because it a lot of it has to do with people uh, now, right now, who've never been through anything, never had a civil rights yeah. struggle, never had a war, uh, never had to go 100%. to war. And, and Rob Carson, we're, 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 we're out of time, we but I, war. So I so appreciate your perspective. Perspectives here, and I think you're totally right. We are creating a class of victims that, if they see anything, 
anything in the culture, then they say, oh, well, that then is an attack against me. And now suddenly I'm the victim and who cares? So we'll be right back with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And, you know, this whole uh, woke culture and having to keep the, you know, your thumb on the pulse of what's going on in pop culture has become increasingly an exercise in sheer Satanism. Um, we, we talked earlier this week about uh, the Grammys and what a ridiculous display of this song called Unholy that was uh, basically a satanic burlesque dance uh, that was sponsored and brought to you by Pfizer. I mean, just just <laughs> the Babylon Bee headlines write themselves, and I think a lot of what they are predicting uh, came true. But one of the other things we didn't talk about that I do want to talk about with uh, my next guest, who is Megan Basham, and she is, of course, an author and speaker at uh, The Daily Wire, our good friends uh, there in Nashville. There was uh, another star, um, and I put that in quotes, and, and hopefully you hear my snarkiness saying that, uh, Dylan Mulvaney who is the uh, face of girlhood, of course, is a transgender, so male, uh, but transitioned from uh, male to female, which, of course, we know biologically and factually and in reality can't happen. But E! News posted uh, earlier this week, Isn't She Lovely? Dylan Mulvaney made her red carpet debut at the Grammys. So my good friend Megan, and you should follow her uh, at Meg Basham on Twitter because she she responded and said, do you also find blackface lovely? Womanhood is not a costume. So Megan, you and I talk about this offline all the time, but I am just so disgusted by the fact that men think that they can just dress up as women and suddenly become us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll say with Dylan Mulvaney, it's even more insidious because he defines himself as a girl. So he is a grown man who calls himself a girl. Um, His sort of viral TikTok account is dedicated to however many days of girlhood he claims that he's been living, which, of course, is none because he cannot live girlhood or womanhood. But that's what he claims. And he has said... um, some just really outrageous, offensive things. I I mean, if you heard someone say something like this in a racial context, there would be no question about the fact that it is racial hatred. And, um, you know, I hate to be explicit, but just to give you uh, one example, he has referred to uh, female genitalia as Barbie pouches derisively. So things like that that are just incredibly offensive. So he does that regularly. And then you have E! News posting this, you know, ridiculous sort of slow-mo turn in the red gown with his biceps bulging. And he looks at the camera and they post, isn't she lovely? And the most ridiculous thing about this is all of the comments that you get from the transgender activists saying, we need to celebrate marginalized people. Well, how marginalized are you if you are on the red carpet at the Grammys with E! News celebrating you? I don't think that's very marginalized. I think, um, you know, the stay-at-home mom who is raising her kids at home, those are marginalized people. Those are the people that our cultural elites are mocking and laughing at. Those are the people who are not celebrated. So, uh, you know, I just watched this, and part of you, I'm of two minds, because there is a part of me that has to laugh at it, because you see... 
overweight, bloated Sam Smith claiming that he is now some sort of gender queer identity. Um, you see them putting on what is just really a, a sort of a I think you said it beautifully drag burlesque. It's tired. They obviously want to draw the outraged headlines. And yet at the same time, you go, yeah, it's it's embarrassing. It's certainly not art. It certainly doesn't display any talent. But there is a part of me that goes, interesting how they always connect Satanism to perverse sexuality, perverse gender identity, um, cross-dressing, that type of thing. So at the root, underneath all of this ridiculousness that you see on display, there is something that you go, it is um, spiritually subversive and dangerous. And so you do mock it, but at the same time, you recognize there is a connection to the satanic. A hundred percent. And I, I think that, that in the mocking it, Elon Musk uh, said it best on Twitter when he said for Sam Smith, if, if this is who Satan is, I think we have nothing to worry about, you know, which is just right. just laughable because I, it's so comically absurd. These these people who like and even like Dylan Mulvaney, who think that just because, you know, he had some Botox injections and some, you know, face reconstruction surgery, that now that makes him somehow a woman. And it is comically absurd. But you're right, uh, Meg Basham, and I'm talking um, with Meg Basham, who is, uh, of course, a host at The Daily Wire and a great author. And, you know, when when you recognize the point that this is more insidious because if someone who is clearly over the age of 18, like Dylan Mulvaney, identifying as a girl and saying this is part of girlhood and suggesting that he can become a girl, but then, of course, take the sexual liberties however far he wants, then you see that logical uh, viewpoint, which, of course, is illogical, but you see the the worldview and the perspective of that, of course, the end of the line there is suggesting that people who are in fact minors, who are in fact children, who are in fact little girls, then would say, well, I have the ability to consent and I have the ability to engage in adult relationships, just like my hero, Dylan Mulvaney. So, I I mean, this is where I see this going. Yeah, and I think that is what you're going to get. And I think, you know, you look at his TikTok account, and there are tens of thousands of teenage girls following him. And also, when you look at what he's doing, the caricature of how he represents being, again, an adolescent girl, not even a full-grown woman, um, is so over the top. And you understand then why there are young girls who look at that and go, that's not me. You know, if that if that sort of burlesque of womanhood is what I am supposed to be, I don't know how to be that. So it furthers the gender madness even further because you have now an epidemic of, in particular, you look at the statistics and the numbers of adolescent young women who look at that and are absorbed in social media, and they are now experiencing all kinds of mental illness. They have depression. They have this gender dysphoria. And so what it's doing is telling them, I don't measure up to this freakish uh, presentation of what femaleness, what womanhood, what being a girl is. I don't know how to be that. And what what that tells them is, I cannot be a girl, so I'm going to go ahead then and maybe consider being a boy because I don't look like this ridiculous, trumped-up, you know, 
uh, inflated lips, over-the-top makeup. So they don't know how to identify with that. And that is really damaging to the psyche of young women. So what he's doing um, isn't just offensive. It's also incredibly damaging. So well said. I mean, and it's a caricature that shouldn't be the model of what true uh, biblical womanhood uh, and and not just from um, the perspective of um, qualities and characteristics of, you know, the gentle and quiet spirit and, and all of those things that the Bible admonishes women to be, but also the truth about femininity and the difference, the biological difference between male and female. And you're right, this is blurring the lines intentionally. And it's a caricature that is set up that is even worse than the extremes that, um, you know, our generation uh, dealt with growing up where you You'd see, you know, the covers of magazines and all the women who had, um, you know, the perfect bodies and the the airbrushed, um, you know, makeup. And, and, you know, that was kind of the the quintessential goal. And, of course, none of us look like that in daily life. And um, and, e- and even those models don't, you know, I mean, the, the airbrushing and all of that stuff, they don't even look like that. And so it's a it is a caricature. But our caricatures have become the have become mocking the differences between uh, the two sexes, and they are intentionally blurring those lines. And we're seeing more and more of this rise of uh, fictional um, gender misunderstanding and gender confuse- confusion uh, from children who are being shown this throughout all of social media, on all of the shows that they watch. And this is why, of course, it's incumbent upon parents to make sure that they are combating all of this deluge of these caricatures for their children and exposing them instead to uh, real heroes that are male and female and that would support um, the truth of reality and the biblical model. And, um, you know, but, but this is just how the left wants to divide everything on the basis of gender, on the basis of race. They want to reinvent what it means to be uh, you know, male versus female. They want to even reinvent what it means um, to be, you know, of one particular race. I mean, there was a there was a post the other day that um, that I read on Twitter that that was, it was some you know some show of you know some some people on probably Twitter Spaces or you know some other thing that was a bunch of leftists and they were commenting about how if you support Thomas Sewell, who of course is you know one of the best commentators on economics, um, and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that he's black, but if you support him, then you are literally applauding Hitler because as someone who supports capitalism and we're just laughing as someone who supports capitalism well clearly he's not black he's white adjacent or he's you know for white supremacy and so skin color now doesn't matter it's all about if you support the conservative movement then you know somehow you are actually a white supremacist even though you you literally are a black person I mean it just it it absolutely makes no sense Well, and I think you brought up a brilliant point there when you talk about um, when we look at Scripture and we look at what being a woman means, it's something that is internal. It is how you um, are diligent in being of service to others. It's how you nurture your family, things that are just biologically inherent in what a woman is, and instead it's saying it's all this outward trappings. 
And we're doing this same thing with racial categories. We're saying that um, all of these, how you wear your hair, how you want to identify outwardly is your race, rather than deep cultural connections that you've built within your community. And so it it's just amazing to me how all of these subjects become so surface and our identity is constantly something we wear on the outside, whereas scripture goes completely in the opposite direction of that and says who you are is what you are internally, what is in your heart, what is in your soul. And that is something that the culture just keeps reinforcing is look at me, look at what's on the outside of me. That defines who I am. Yeah, so so well said. Uh, Meg Basham, who is, of course, a host at uh, Daily Wire and excellent writer, should all follow her on social media for um, your very biblically correct and also slightly snarky takes, which I always appreciate. And, you know, um, it, you're right that this is all about the external. And, um, and, and in the last few minutes we have here, I want to talk about um, the other crazy external and very surface a remodel of Splash Mountain at Disney World, because this is yet another thing that, um, you know, it was supposedly racist and you have to cancel the Song of the South and, um, you know, the Splash Mountain storyline. And you did a great segment uh, with Andrew Clavin, um, of course, on his show, and that's posted at uh, Meg's Twitter. So definitely go and listen to that. But here, here's my issue with this, because they, okay. are, they are re-imagining at Disney Splash Mountain to be uh, the princess and the frog, you know, Tiana, who of course is the black princess. And so she's getting her own ride, but it came out this week from the Walt Disney World Imagineers that the storyline is not going to follow the movie. It's going to be a new storyline where Tiana is building her, um, her food packaged food conglomerate and she is now going, we're going to have like a fun uh, water ride through kind of her trying to find some, you know, secret ingredient. And okay, here's, here, here's my issue though. I was sitting there going, okay, they took out Splash Mountain because it's racist, but they're basically replacing it with Disney's reimagined version of Aunt Jemima. But wasn't she canceled by the same storyline? Because why is it less racist for the black Disney princess to be the new face of pancake mix? Well, you know, what's so funny about that, too, is and that's why these stories keep folding back on themselves and there's no uh, logical consistency to them. You're right. Aunt Jemima was canceled for this very thing. And now we're sort of repackaging it in a modern way with Tiana. And I'll say this. Look, I liked Princess and the Frog, the original movie. I actually think it's really fun. If they were going to redo the ride, I don't know why you wouldn't do it based on that film. Because, you know, it was actually a pretty conservative film. It was about you don't just wish for your dreams to come true. You go out and work hard. And I like all that. But fundamentally, getting back to the same issue of just surface trappings, Song of the South and the Br'er Rabbit Uncle Remus stories are actually very culturally inherent to black culture. So what they are, um, they grew out of what you would call the Anansi stories. So these came from Africa. They're about sort of a trickster demigod. And these, the slaves brought with them. They told these stories to their children. They told them amongst themselves. And so a, a, I forget the author's name, but he grew up in, you know, the post-Reconstruction era 
He heard these stories from black sharecroppers. They were really meaningful to him as a child, informing his moral imagination. So he wrote them down so they wouldn't be lost. That's what the Uncle Remus stories are. So these actually are black culture. And we're taking that away. And instead, we're doing what you just said with Tiana, which I like Tiana, but but the princess and the frog is a Danish fairy tale. (laughs) Yeah. And they just... So, so now, so we're literally well, we're taking away with, black culture um, sort of and black we're repackaging it, it so as that, Aunt Jemima and her pancake mix that was already canceled. So Disney's going to have to reinvent Splash Mountain and Tiana's little bayou ride yet again down the road. And we are out of time, Meg Basham, but I so appreciate you coming on to discuss all of the craziness of culture and definitely follow her at The Daily Wire. And we will be back tomorrow morning with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. <laughs>